Hey everyone, it's great to be here this morning in this quite significant day. And if you are listening in the podcast, we're making it even easier for you to come and visit us um, because you can join us at 6 p.m. any Sunday. But if you are listening, thanks for subscribing and downloading. We'd love to see you. Um, Or please check us out on social media, the New Life Press Week on Facebook or Instagram. But I've got the honor this morning of preaching and the theme, if you're not aware, is our theme for the year is based on Acts 2020, where it's a year where we're going to embrace, where Paul says, I did not shrink back. So we're growing forward and embracing rather than shrinking back. But this month we're looking at embrace change. Now, change is not really my favorite thing in the world. I, I thought I was quite good until last year when a particular company, who we won't name for legal reasons, decided to change their recipe for their drink. And... Um, and that was a difficult time for me, I'll be honest. I did not like the change at all. I wasn't happy when I heard about the change. I was even less happy when I tasted the effects of the change. But I embraced that change, and, but I held on to the promise that God gives us in Romans chapter 8 when it says, For God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I'm delighted to say that that said company brought out an old new product, um, and it fixed the problem. Um, But I found out that some changes in life I did not embrace enthusiastically at all. And it was really random, I I know. But this morning as we embrace change, sometimes changes aren't always something we enjoy, to be honest. And in a few moments, I want to read from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 to 4. It's today's Bible reading. But before I do that, I want to give a little bit of context to the Bible verse before we go there. Basically, it's a time in the history of God's people where God's led them out of Egypt. And, but Israel had looked at the nations around about them and they wanted to have a king just like everybody else. And it broke God's heart because God was to be their one true king. They weren't supposed to be like everybody else. But God eventually allows, and his grace and his mercy allows the people to get what the people want because God will just let you do what you want really. He's not going to force you into doing anything. So he gives them this king and it's a guy called Saul. And to be honest, Saul's a, a, a decent guy, to be honest. He's a good guy. He starts off quite well. But eventually, being the king kind of gets to Saul and Saul starts to make things about him. And he walks away from God and it broke God's heart. And in first chapter, first Samuel sorry, chapter 15, we find that God's rejected King Saul. Because Saul's just walked away and God's like, you know what, fed up with this. And then we find this guy called Samuel, who's the prophet. He's kind of like God's, he's like the archbishop of Israel, so to speak. He is like God's man for his people. So if God wants to communicate with his people, he does it through Samuel. He's God's man on planet Earth to help lead his people. And basically, in 1 Samuel sorry, chapter 15, we find Samuel goes to King Saul and has to communicate this message that, you know what, Saul, God's rejected you. You're not going to be the king anymore, or you'll be the king, but your descendants aren't going to fall in line with the throne because you've just went too far. And it's where he gets the Bible verse, and it's recorded that obedience is greater than sacrifice. That God would rather you obey him than any great sacrifice. That's not what God's looking for. And at the end of chapter 15, we find that Samuel is absolutely heartbroken because he cared about Saul. He really did care about the person who was King Saul. But I want to read some verses now from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. And then just some points that I think can help us to embrace change. It'll come up in the screen. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, 
you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. And I'm going to stop there. The first thing that I notice here about embracing change, because this is quite a significant change for Samuel. But the first thing Samuel comes out with when it comes to embrace change is he makes an excuse. Let me tell you, there's always going to be a reason or an excuse not to embrace change. I'll be honest though, as far as excuses go, Samuel's is a pretty good one. Saul's going to kill me. Like now, I've come up with a lot of excuses in my life, but not once have I been able to honestly say, if I don't do this or if I do do this, I'm going to die. Like, that's never really been a viable option. But for Samuel and his humanness, that's a pretty good excuse. Now, I don't particularly want to die. Like, I don't fear death necessarily, but I don't really look forward to the process. So it's a pretty good excuse. But what I notice here is that God instantly removes Samuel's excuse. I mean, have you ever met anyone who's just got an answer for everything when you don't want to do something? And like every excuse you come up with, they just batter it. Well, that's kind of like God and Samuel. Because there's always going to be an excuse for not embracing change. And Samuel had his excuse ready, but God was just like, well, just do this. And I feel like Samuel's kind of like, oh, well, I've had, he's probably had this conversation with God before when he didn't want to do things and realized you can't really beat God in a debate. Like, he's always going to have an answer. But what excuses could we come up with sometimes for not embracing changes in life? I'm too tired. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not skilled enough. I don't have the gifts other people do. I'm not rich enough. I'm too busy. But when we make an excuse, what we're doing is we're trying to justify to ourselves why we're just not going to go forward. Like, we're trying to justify why we're going to shrink back. And it's not a new thing. Excuses have been around quite literally since the beginning of time. If we had read this morning Genesis, the book of Genesis and Genesis chapter 3 in the Bible, we would find out about Adam and Eve. Basically, Adam had one job, don't eat from the fruit from that garden. Do it, well, he technically had two, be fruitful and multiply and then don't eat the fruit. Like, so he had two jobs, not that that makes it any better. But it was literally just, you can eat anything you like, just don't eat from that one tree. But what does he do? He ate from the tree. But that's not where it ends, because then he said, he had the audacity to say, well, God, it was the woman that you put me here with. Notice it was like, so he's blaming Eve, then he's blaming God, <laughs> not himself. So actually, making excuses is really the one thing that we've always been pretty good at. Not, not obeying God <laughs> and making excuses have been the two things that us as human beings have been pretty good at since the beginning of time. Now, I'll be honest, for me, it's always easier to make an excuse, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I ask you, is it easier to make an excuse not to do something you don't really want to do, or to just do it? Like, I would imagine that the majority of us would probably say it's easier to make an excuse not to do it. But there's an old poem written by a Lutheran pastor called Martin Niemöller, who's a German 
I've wrote here that he was a German during the Second World War, but technically he was a German before it and after it. It wasn't just during it, to be honest. Um, I think he was German before and after. Um, but he wrote this, and it says, First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. And it just, I read this poem and I thought, and I knew it before, but I thought he made excuses not to do anything. And there's a, like, what's it, the, the pathway to hell is filled with good intentions. Or all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. He made excuses, well, it doesn't really affect me, so I'm just not going to do anything. And eventually, I mean, Pastor Colin was mentioning how, look at the state of our nation. Why? Because oftentimes good men do and women as well, and young people do nothing. And actually, I think that we're embracing change. Tonight we're going to two services. We're going to be doing crashing waves. Life groups have changed. There's a lot that, lot of things have changed, and it could be really easy for us this morning to just make an excuse. Well, well, I'm too tired. I'm too busy. But I believe this morning what God wants to communicate to us all, including me, is that we have to remove our excuses. We have to grow forward because our world is quite literally dependent on us. Our community is dependent on us growing forward. Our neighborhoods are dependent on us growing forward. Our kids are dependent on us growing forward. So this morning, I challenge you, I dare you to remove your excuses, to embrace this change and the changes that are coming so that we can grow forward together. Not so that I look great or so that you look good, but so that God can get all the glory and we can become the church that God wants us to be so that we can step into becoming the church that the community can't do without, so that we can reach, we can inspire, we can serve, and we can equip. And that means doing things that we've never done before. So the first thing is remove our excuses. But the second thing I noticed with Samuel here, when it comes to embracing changes, he has to remain in obedience. I mean, Samuel must have been terrified. I mean, if Saul finds out what his true purpose was, I mean, he's dead. He's gone. But God had given him a task to do. And God had told him exactly what he needed him to do. And I'd imagine that this wasn't easy for Samuel. Because he was still heartbroken about Saul. But he had a job to do. And he had to remain in obedience. And in many ways, I think sometimes remaining in obedience in the middle is the hardest part of embracing change at all. Because when you first get it, you can kind of have the excuses. And then when you get to the end and like eventually, spoiler alert, Saul eventually dies and David becomes king. So it all works out for Samuel in the end. But that bit in the middle, that's the hardest part. I read a book or I'm in the process of reading a book at the moment by Ben Cooley, who is the CEO of Hope for Justice, the modern day slavery, a human trafficking organization. They want to end it, not make it go bigger um, kind of thing. But basically, we've got a connection with them, and it's a book called Relentless Pursuit. And in it, it tells the story of the Zoe Challenge, not a real name, as he makes quite clear in the book. Um, and basically, it was one of the first girls they rescued, and it was this massive fundraising campaign where they, they decided to cycle her journey of being trafficked to being rescued. And it, was, it began in Latvia, and it ended in England. And he went on this journey and he records how when he first started it was quite exciting because it was new, like you're feeling fresh, you're feeling pumped up and at the end you can kind of like see the white cliffs of Dover. So you, you, but in the middle, 
he was like, I just felt ill. Because I don't really have an option to go back. But like, I don't actually see how this is going to, I don't know how I'm going to make it forward. And so in the middle, and as I was reading this story, that's probably the time when we're most likely to give up and stop embracing change when we're in the middle where we can't really go backwards because it's just not an option. But we're not really, I don't see how this change is going to get to the beneficial stage. So I'm just going to stop here. I'm going to shrink back here. Like I've done really well. So I'm, I'm better when out there was. So I'm just going to stop. But he didn't. He struggled and kept going forward. And he just remained in obedience. And what I mean by that is he had instructions to keep going. Just keep pedaling. His training kicked in and he just kept going. Now, I don't want to blow my own trumpet this morning, but last year I made a decision to embrace change. Because last year we had an Eat Cake for Justice and Ask Questions Later fundraiser for Hope for Justice, which involved the Bake Off. And I made a decision that I am going to bake. Now, my objectives was not to win. A win for me was going to be, did it turn out edible and did I make anyone ill? If the answer was, yes, it was edible, no, I didn't make anyone ill, that's a win. <laughs> like, that was, that was my aim going into it. So anyway, we, we prepared, and Heather was very patient with me. We got the ingredients all together, and we're in our kitchen, and it was the Saturday afternoon. I was really, really excited. I was, this is it. This is my moment. And so anyway, I get the ingredients in, and I'm not going to... The reason I'm doing this is because if I had the ingredients in, this would be an absolute riot. Our kitchen was a riot. But we got to the putting the ingredients in, that was fine. And then we started, then I had to get to the bit where I had to stir the flour. And I'll be honest, at first, it was quite enjoyable. It was quite easy. But then after about two and a half hours, certainly that's what it felt like. And I was like, I just want to stop. I can't do this anymore. And I, what I would do is I would look at the recipe and be like, is there any way I could take a shortcut? <laughs> is there any way that I could... But the reality is, if I had taken a shortcut, they probably wouldn't have been edible, and I might have made someone ill. But it was right in this middle part where I'm just going, oh, my arms are getting sore. I'm switching arms. I'm sitting down. My back's sore. Like, my feet are sore. I don't even know how my feet are sore, but, like, I'm just really, really tired. I've made a mess. Like, everything's just, ugh. But that was the time when I wanted the most quit. And I had to start, and I had to start, and I was tired, and I wanted to quit. But I had to make a choice. I could either give up, but bearing in mind, I went about people for weeks before saying, I'm baking, I'm baking. So I would have looked pretty stupid if I'd quit. And that really wasn't an option if you know me. I don't like making myself look stupid. I could cheat and try and find a shortcut, but the end product would have been a mess. Or I could just remain in obedience to what the recipe taught me to do. And I could keep going, and I could keep stirring, and even when it was painful, I could have kept going, I could have quit. And the reality is, how many of us right now are in the middle of a change where we're just like, do you know what, God, everyone else is getting blessed, and they're taking shortcuts, and I'm not, and this is getting painful, and I'm getting fed up. Well, let me encourage you, just remain in obedience. Like, when it comes to, like, just keep, you're waiting for God's voice to speak to you, well, just keep remaining in obedience, keep reading the Bible on a daily basis. Why? Because your breakthrough is coming. I guarantee you in my life, every time I've remained in obedience, when I've just been like, God, this is painful, but I'm just going to worship you anyway because I'm still waiting for the promise that you've given me. So but I'm going to keep remaining in obedience because I know and I know and I know that it's painful right now, but if I just keep 
stirring, if I just keep remaining in obedience, God, I know that you're going to provide for me. And he does every single time. We sang that song, there's nothing that our God can't do. And the line said, oh, praise the name who makes a way, not praise the name who made a way. Because sometimes we have to just remain in obedience and praise him. Even though he's not made a way yet, we can trust him that he does. And I, I don't know what we're all going through in life. I can only speak from my experience that when I remain in obedience, God always backs himself up. It might not happen the way I want him to, it might not happen the timing that I want him to, but I guarantee that he just wants to stretch us and you've got to remain in obedience. When we embrace change, remaining in obedience is so important. Don't shrink back, don't look for shortcuts, just remain in obedience. Because I know that if I remain in obedience, then I'll see God move in my life. It might not happen when I want him to, but he's never failed anyone before and he's definitely not going to start with you. Samuel had to remain in obedience. And the Bible says Samuel done exactly what God told him to do. Do you know what Saul's problem was? He didn't do what God told him to do. If Saul had, it wasn't that he was a bad person, he just didn't do what God told him to do. He took shortcuts. He didn't embrace change. And thankfully, this morning, you might have taken shortcuts or you might have not remained in obedience. Well, God's gracious enough if you come back to him and say, oh God, I'm sorry. Can we hit the reset button? The problem is Saul didn't want to do that. Saul was all about Saul. But when we can humbly come before God and say, God, here I am. I'm sorry when I've made it about me, but just help me to get through these changes. Help me to remain in obedience. I get the honor of being involved with AOG Youth. And, um, and we went to this thing called Young Lions a couple of weekends ago, and two of our young people went, but one of them in particular, Jordan, who I did ask for permission to share a story, like he, for his year two, second years, he embraced change. To be honest, Ethan was no bother. I was like, Ethan, do you want to come? He was like, yeah. Jordan was like, right, where's my excuse book? Because <laughs> he'd heard these stories about young lines and he was terrified. He was like, I don't want to go to young lines. The, the, I, mean, it, I mean, it was honestly ridiculous, some of the stories that he th thought happened at Young Lions. I mean, only half of them were actually true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But, but basically, Jordan embraced change, and he came this year, and he threw himself into it. And, you know, out of all of the year twos, he was awarded the Trooper Award for the person who was just, like, you know what, he threw himself at it more than anyone else. So good job, Jordan. But why? Because he removed his excuses, and he remained in obedience to say, do you know what, God? I don't know everything, but I am willing to just obey you and put myself in a position where you can stretch me and you can grow me into who you want me to be. And I want to encourage you this morning to embrace change. Remove your excuses first. Because there's always going to be some. But just remain in obedience. When it gets tough, remain in obedience. When you're making a mess, remain in obedience. No, I mean, remain in obedience to God, not what you want. When it comes to giving, when it comes to reading the Bible, when it comes to worship, just remain in obedience. Because when you remain in obedience over a long period of time, you'll look back and see how God's moved, God's shaped, and God's positioned you, and God's opened doors. Because oftentimes you don't understand the significance of remaining in obedience in a moment. If, you can, if we can be people who make a decision to remain in obedience daily, I challenge you in this year, you'll look back on next year and be like, How incredible. But to embrace change, we have to remove our excuses. We have to remain in obedience. 
thirdly, and the final one, we always, always, always have to remember our purpose. Last week, we saw the evidence that Jesus is still changing lives. It was an incredible Sunday morning. Baptismal services are wonderful. But the reason I mentioned that this morning is the reason that these Bible verses resonate with me this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 15 is, uh, chapters 15 and 16 was a few years ago, as many of you may know, we had Pastor John Rollo was here as our associate pastor and his family and they felt the call of God to go to Shetland for whatever reason. Um, they felt that like that was God's call for their life and they remained in obedience and, um, and they went. And I remember when I found out that they were going and the Monday night, because they played a, quite a big role in my life and Heather's life and they were role models and family friends. They were family to us really and in the 18 or so months that they were there, I grew a lot under him. He encouraged me and I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the impact he had on my life. But I remember my dad, we were due to have a meeting on the Monday night. I can't remember what the meeting was about. I probably didn't concentrate much in the meeting at all because just before the meeting, my, my dad took me to the side and said, just to let you know that in July, John and Tiffa and Joel and Ariana are going to be moving, and Murphy, are going to be moving to Shetland to take over a church there. And I remember just completely breaking down because I didn't really see it coming at all, to be honest. And I was really upset from a selfish point of view because it was good for them because you've got to do what God wants you to do. But from my perspective, I was like, oh, that's really rubbish. And I was, I remember just crying and crying and crying. And I went to my bed that night after the meeting and I just opened my Bible and it happened to be First Samuel chapter 15. And basically it was like Samuel mourned over Saul. And I was like, that's exactly how I feel about John. Not because he is like King Saul, but just the relationship we had, I was, I was devastated. But anyway, the next day I wake up and I'm still quite upset about it. Because I always knew they would move on eventually. I just didn't think it would be quite so soon. But then I woke up the next day and I opened my Bible and I read First Samuel chapter 16 and it read the verses. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. said, you've mourned for Saul long enough. And it was just like, it's a new day. And I didn't really want to hear that in that moment because I was still upset. But it was like God spoke into my spirit and said, you know what, David? John, Tiff, Joel, and Ariana Murphy, they are moving to Shetland in July. So we have a choice. I have a choice. I can sit and feel sorry for myself. I can shrink back and think, well, how are we going to cope without them? Or we can make a decision. David, you can grow forward and embrace the changes that are coming. Or you can shrink back. And I, we didn't have a clue what any of that meant at the time, but it was just something in me that says, you know what, I have to remember what our purpose is. Because our purpose is bigger than one family, it's bigger than one person, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than anyone in this room. Because if any of us were to go, the purpose would continue on. And there was nothing, and there might be changes externally, but internally, the purpose remains the same. And I'm glad that we made a decision to embrace change and to grow forward. Did we miss them? Of course we miss them as people. But I look around the room just now and I see that our church has grown. Shetland has grown. Like, it's incredible to see what God can do when we just remove our excuses, remain in obedience, and remember our purpose. 
You know, this year things have changed for us as a church. We've removed our Ask Me Desk and replaced it with a connection point. We're doing our own life group studies. Pastor Jim is doing his own life group stuff on Embrace, which is incredible. We're moving to two services every Sunday. Rise Youth is changing, which is fun. But we're looking at equipping in a new way. We're changing the way that we do serving. We're, we're creating new crash things like crashing waves to try and reach more people. There's a lot of things that are changing in our external world and what we do. But our purpose is still to reach, inspire, serve, and equip. And there'll be things that we try this year that don't work. And there'll be some things we try this year that do work. And guess what? They might change and they might come and go. But the purpose to reach, inspire, serve, equip doesn't change. The external changes, but the internal doesn't. There's a new song by House Song on Free called Best Friends. And in a line it says, Dylan was right. The times they are changing. Because society's changing. It's changing almost all the time. I mean, I'm 27, but I'm now a boomer. I'm like, I'm old. <laughs> like, I'm like, guys. And the worship team can come up as I'm almost closing. But Jesus had to change to achieve his purpose. Jesus came from this darling of heaven. But he had to change and take the form of a man. He had to change his form. He had to come from heaven, but he's all-powerful, to earth and live in the limitations that came with being a man. He was abandoned, beaten, marked, scorned, rejected. He went from heaven where he's worshipped by the angels to being beaten, scorned, marked by everyone on earth, but a few. In fact, every negative thing that's ever happened to you, every negative feeling you've thought, had, every thought you've had where you've like, I don't want to do this, Jesus said the exact same thing. The Bible says that we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize or empathize with us. Because everything you've been through that you're going through, Jesus faced the same kind of struggle. And he had a moment where he had to decide whether he was going to shrink back or whether he was going to grow forward. Because within a week, he went from everyone shouting Hosanna, Hosanna, and the highest you are, Lord, to the same people shouting crucify him. Crucify him. In fact, Pontius Pilate says, I find no fault in him. But he still shouted crucify him. Crucify him. What a change in his life, going from heaven to crucify him. And it says, yet Jesus did not sin, and yet he still continued to grow forward. He came in that he died on a cross. His purpose was the same, even though his external stuff changed. Because his purpose was to come and die on a cross for my mistakes, for your mistakes, for my sin, your sin, my shame, your shame, every failure, every insecurity. But it wasn't over because there was more change coming. Because Jesus died on a cross and it looked like it was over, but three days later, he got back out of the grave. And the Bible says that God gave, elevated him and gave him the name that is above every single name. You see, Jesus embraced change for you and he embraced change for me. And his purpose was to try and reach people, to inspire people, to serve people, and then to equip people. Now, I'm not saying that we got that from Jesus, but if you look at his life, that's what he done. He reached, inspired, served, and equipped. And he had to embrace change to do so. And this morning, so do we. Can we all stand if that's okay? Because this morning, I want to give you an opportunity in here this morning. If you've maybe never, ever, ever stepped into 
the change that is from death to life by giving your life to Jesus. You've never stepped into grace, into forgiveness and freedom and the change that only he can bring. I want to give you that opportunity this morning before I pray for us all. With every head bowed and eye closed, just if you want to step into the forgiveness that Jesus has to offer when he died on a cross for your mistakes, your failures, your insecurities, your shame. Then I'm going to count down from three to two to one. And I just want you to slip your hand up and then I'm going to pray. Then I'll pray for us all and then we'll sing something as we close. But if that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus, I'm just going to count down three, two, one. And you just slip your hand up just so I can see it. Three, two, one. Thanks. Yeah, and I'm just going to pray, and if we can just help the person who put their hand up, we're all going to say this after me, just together. And then, we'll, then I'll pray before we sing. But Jesus, thank you for embracing change for me, and dying for me, and living for me. Thank you for your grace, and your forgiveness, and your freedom. You are Lord of all. Amen. Father God, I thank you, God, that you've given us purpose. You've given us a reason for living. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the example that you are. God, I pray that you help us to remove our excuses. I pray that you help us to remain in obedience. And I pray that you help us to remember our purpose. For your glory and in your name. Amen. Slow down, take time, breathe in, he said, he'd reveal what's to come. The thoughts in his mind, always higher than mine, he'll reveal all to come. Take courage. Take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope. As your triumph unfolds, he's never fading. He's never fading. Sing praise. 